Now, guys, grab your Bibles and open them to 1 Corinthians 12. And let me read you my text. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 12, we'll read through verse 26. And there you find perhaps some familiar words. Um, You find these. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. Guys, recently, um, when I say recently, uh, three years ago, 2010, uh, a survey was taken, a one-question survey by the uh, Scientific American magazine. And um, the, 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 uh, the question in that survey was this. Whom do you typically trust to provide accurate information about important issues in society? Okay? Who do you trust uh, to give you advice about the important issues in society? Of all the groups that were listed as options in response to that question, religious authorities came in dead last. (laughs) Dead last. I guess it shouldn't surprise us, or it shouldn't surprise me. Maybe it doesn't surprise you. It does surprise me, I guess. But today, people have, um, have such low views of this organization called the church... They, they, they consider the church an organization that has this body of rules, uh, and the rules are designed to make everybody as miserable as we can possibly make you. <laughs> it's the bland leading the bland. It's the, um, a church is this useless appendage, kind of like a, a spiritual um, appendix. You know, you don't need one of those things. You ever read that thing? You don't need it. Guys, um, earlier this week, or I guess it was last week, uh, one of the ladies in our grace group sent me an article, an article uh, about the church, and it was well, well written, 
but it was written by somebody that has no high view of the church. Um, and he addressed the church as if she were a person. And, and I want to read you just three sentences out of his article. Um, he says this. I see the panic in your face, church. I know the internal terror as you see the statistics and hear the stories and scan the exit polls. I see you desperately scrambling to do damage control for fence-sitters and manufacture passion from the shrinking faithful. And then he goes on to list five reasons why so many, at least in the West, are leaving the church. When I read that, I mean, I had to ask myself, is that what I'm doing? Is that what I'm doing with my little series on the church? Yeah, I guess. Except for one key distinction. I'm not trying to manufacture anything. I'm trying to correct, indeed, because I'm convinced that so much of the thinking that, that, uh, that people ha- do concerning the church is so, is so faulty. It's so, it, it, it's so wrong. And so what I'm trying to do with my little series on the church is I, I'm simply trying to reason with you. I'm trying to correct faulty thinking and reason with you, giving, giving, giving you reasons as to why she is so urgently needed in your life. I'm trying to reason with you, offer you some, some, uh, some thoughts, and then let you make a call. That's fair enough, isn't it? Oh, I hope so, because that's what I'm trying to do. So, come now. Let us reason together over this subject of the church. Um, I want to start, I want to give you, in that article that I mentioned, that I read from a moment ago, in that article, he he mentioned five reasons why why people are in the West are leaving the church. Um, I'm going to give you five reasons, not not in answer to his five, but I at least want to start with his number one. This was his number one reason as to why people are throwing the church under the bus. Um, He says, um, here's the reason. Your Sunday productions have worn thin. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Um, Now, of course, he's referring to the the, the Sunday morning worship service. Um, the, The Sunday production is worn thin, says he. And he's referring to the worship service, which, which is logical because it really is kind of the centerpiece of church life. Um, <clears throat> let, me read you, <clears throat> let me read you what he said about the Sunday morning production. The stage and the lights and the bands and the video screens have all just become white noise to those really seeking to encounter God. Their ear and eye candy for an hour but they have so little relevance in people's daily lives that more and more of them are taking a pass. Yeah, the songs are cool and the show is great, 
But ultimately, Sunday morning isn't really making a difference on Tuesday afternoon or Thursday evening when people are wrestling with the awkward, messy, painful stuff in the trenches of life, the places where rock shows won't help you. We can be entertained anywhere until you give us something more than a Christian-themed performance piece. Many of us are going to sleep in and stay away. Now, guys, I want to reason with you concerning that because I want, you, I want to suggest to you that this whole understanding of the worship service has got three huge monumental errors to it. It's got a wrong God, a wrong paradigm, and a wrong purpose. Let's start with the wrong God. You know, gang, uh, one of the things that gets said from time to time is something like this. It goes something like this. You know, you know, Dr. Young, when it comes to this whole worship thing, you know, um, you know, I just, I, 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 I can do it far, far better when I'm out in nature. You know, I just feel so much closer to God when I'm out in nature. You know, I, I, I worship better when I'm looking at mountains and oceans, and golf courses. <laughs> but, um, um, I, you know, I just feel closer to God then. And I want to ask you, um, if you think like that, I want to ask you this. Well, tell me, when, when you're looking at those things, the oceans and the mountains and the rivers and the golf courses, um, how does that make you feel? Well, I, you know, I feel... I feel calm and peaceful and serene, you know? And then to you, I want to ask you this. Do you know how people felt in the Bible when they got close to God? When people saw God, when they got close to his presence, do you know how they felt? Well, Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 6. He says, whoa, is me, I'm undone. Peter in Luke chapter 5, when he realizes who Jesus was, says, depart from me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a wicked man. John in Revelation chapter 1 falls on his face as a dead man. You see, guys, I say all of that to say this. Here's problem number one. You got the wrong God. That one that makes you feel when you get close to him so peace and calm. You got the wrong one. Guys, the issue is not the worship service. The issue is the worship object. Um, this God, this God demands worship. He doesn't give you some kind of option that says, well, let me, let me, let me, just, let me give it some thought and I'll, I'll get back with you. No, ladies and gentlemen. This God strides into all of our lives and demands that we worship him. So I'm just saying that Mr. Article Writing Man, um, when, when, when his first problem is he's got the wrong God. Second one is he's got the wrong paradigm. You know, guys, um, I wonder if you do too. The wrong paradigm. Stay with me. Um, in the minds of many, uh, their mindset when they come to a worship service um, is that just sit back and relax and enjoy the show. 
Um, um, you know, they check their Jesus meter and they find they're running a little low on Jesus. And so um, they need a Jesus pill. They need a Jesus fix. So they come in and, and, and in their mind, in the back of their mind, is this, this paradigm. Here it is. Three component parts. Three component parts to the paradigm. There's the, uh, there's the audience. There's the performer. And then there's the prompter. The audience, of course, in this paradigm, um, is y'all. Y'all are the audience. And then the performer, that would be me. He's the performer. Uh, We're the audience. And God is the prompter. Um, I'm sorry. But that just won't square with this, ladies and gentlemen. Let Let me try to adjust your paradigm. You are not the audience. You are not the audience. Oh, there is an audience. It is the grand celestial audience of one. Do you know what you are? You're the performers. And you know what I am? I'm the prompter. I'm supposed to help prompt all of us to perform well before the grand celestial audience of one. Guys, do you see how that changes things? Do you see how different that is? So that when you come here on a, on a Sunday morning, you're not here to take in the show, you know, sit back and relax and watch the show. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You're not the audience. You're the performers. You're supposed to be here, and I'm supposed to be helping you. I'm supposed to be helping you perform before the audience of one. Tell me, how how, how, are you doing with that? Hmm? um, How's your performance going? Because ladies and gentlemen, each on you, it's not on me. I mean, uh, do you think the audience is pleased by your performance? I don't know. Maybe he is. I hope he is. But guys, you didn't come here to watch the show. No, no, no. You came here to perform. So, Mr. Article Writing Man, um, you got the wrong God. You got the wrong paradigm. And then you got one more thing, the wrong purpose. Guys, I'll tell you a story. Um, you know that book that we hoped that y'all would read over the summertime? <laughs> you probably didn't, but I hope you did. Because it's going to be discussed in the Grace Groups tonight, and, and it's really a good little book, and some of you didn't like it. Anyway, 
But um, the author of that book was Kevin DeYoung. Well, Kevin DeYoung, he's written four or five books. And he's, the other book that he's written that we're reading now is a book called uh, Taking God at His Word. And um, Kevin DeYoung tells a story in that book. Um, he was asked to be an advisor in his denomination. His denomination is the RCA, the Reformed Church of America. It's called the RCA. And, and, and he's on a, de- a, a denominational advisory group. And, uh, you know, his role is to, you know, advise the denomination how they can do things better, you know. So they have a meeting. He was summoned to a meeting. And the speaker at that meeting says this, at least one of the things he says. He says, um, we are here to discover the norms of our community. Don't you love that? Doesn't that sound intellectual? Doesn't that sound just so sophisticated? We're here to discover the norms of our community. And so in the, in the uh, feedback time, uh, Kevin Young raises his hand and says, uh, Sir, um, it seems to me that the first norm ought to be that we are going to measure everything up against God's word. And the speaker guy said, We are not here to open our Bibles. We are here to listen to our hearts and to listen to each other. Kevin Young said, it seems so odd to me that we were here to listen to each other and to our hearts, but we weren't here to listen to God. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that message about we're here to discover the norms of our community by listening to each other and to our own hearts, that that message is commonplace out there. But in here, ladies and gentlemen, that is not the message. You want to hear the message? Here it is. Thus saith the Lord. And my brother and sister in Christ, you can't get that any place else other than the church. You want to hear that? Norms of the community and listen to our hearts and share with each other. You want that? It's out there. It's for you. But the message here. You know, ladies and gentlemen, here's an article writing guy. And he's saying, well, the, the Sunday morning the, the performance show is, you know, I just don't like it. I, I, I don't blame him. I don't like that one either. The one that's got the wrong God and the wrong paradigm and the wrong purpose. I don't want to be a part of that. But here, ladies and gentlemen, here is the place. And, and, and I would dare say it's probably the only place. The only place where you can hear, thus saith the Lord. The show put on by the world is much better than the one that's put on in here. 
Try to compete with that and we will fail every time. The problem is, like Mr. Article Writing Man says, that show out there and the one that's in some churches It just doesn't help you on Tuesday morning and Thursday afternoons. When he says, when people are wrestling with the awkward, messy, painful stuff in the trenches of life, the places where rock shows won't help you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we come in here. We come in here understanding that we are the audience, we are the performers. And we want to hear God's truth so that we might perform well before him. Guys, I am not in any way claiming that we here at Gracie Van always have the truth right. I'm not claiming that, but I am claiming this. Truth is in here. And it is our job which we take very, the staff's job, we take it very seriously to teach you this truth, laboring to exhaustion if need be, to get it right. Guys, nobody exists to take you to God and his word like the church. We're here To aid you in your performance. We're not here to perform for you. We're here to aid you in yours. Oh, I'd love to say more. I got to move. Here's my second piece of argument. That's my first one. I mean, his... His first thing about why people were leaving was the the production on Sunday morning has worn thin. I, I agree with him. If that's what you're a part of, my gosh, get out of that. But here's the, here's the second piece of my reasoning with you. Gang, have you ever done anything on the out-of-town business trip that you were ashamed of? Have you ever done anything that you really wish you hadn't have done, thinking that everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? No, it doesn't. It doesn't stay in Vegas. It comes home with you. Vegas stays with you. Vegas changes you. Now, what I want to do is just try to analyze that. Try to figure out what happened. What went wrong when I did that wherever it was that I did it? Vegas might have been the place, but... What happened? What happened when I, when I had this breach? What happened? Well, a couple of factors, I think. First of all, um, guys, I, I pled with you to be with us on Wednesday night on August the 13th. Uh, the reason I did is because I had this message. It was out of Numbers chapter 15, verses, I think, 9 through whatever. Numbers chapter 15, and in that section, um, God was saying to the nation of Israel, I want you to put tassels on your, your clothes. You know, put a tassel over here and a tassel over here and a tassel over here. You know, put a tassel out there and a tassel, you know, just put tassels. And, and the purpose of those tassels 
was to remind you of the commandments of God. To remind people when they were, you know, out in Vegas, you know, or wherever else they were, uh, to remind them of the commandments of God. And listen, that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. Oh, my dear friend, do you know that there's a harlotry within your heart and it, your heart and your eyes are inclined to evil? Do you know that? I mean, I'm talking about my brother and sister in Christ. We have those inclinations in us, all of us. So, so you see, guys, one of the reasons that you did that out in Vegas was because you loved sin, just like me. We love sin. It's attractive. If it weren't attractive, it wouldn't be tempting. But I've got this inclination within me, you know, this battle that's going on between new Jimmy, old Jimmy, you know. So that's, that's, that's one factor. But the other factor is this. There is no accountability in your life. You know, if character is what you do in private, and it is, and you don't have anyone in your life who has access to your privacy or to your secrets, ooh, doggy, you're in trouble. Guys, accountability provides boundaries for us. So when it's gone, I have no boundaries. I'm saying to you that church provides a bit of accountability. And if your church, if you, for you, if for you, your church does not provide accountability, that's your fault. Because you don't want accountability. You don't want anybody to know what's going on. You know, I, I think that one possible reason for it, why so many are leaving the church in the West in the 21st century is because people simply don't want to be accountable to anyone. You want to keep secrets. You want to live in the shadows. So I discard the one place where I can get at least a bit of accountability and that accountability in the context of truth. I don't want that. You know, I don't know who said this. It was Plato or Socrates or some of those guys. They said the unexamined life is not worth living. But you know what? That's exactly the life that Satan wants you to live. The one that's in the shadows, the one of isolation. Um, because if I get too involved in that church over there, then, uh, you know, I won't be able to get away with everything I want to get away with. You know, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I got I to, gotta, you know, divorce myself from that place. So if you want to know what happened in Vegas, why it happened, now you know. And for those of us who know our own sinful potential and don't want to see that stuff realized, surface, part of a solution is the church. And those of us who hate our sin will take any help we can get from anywhere. Here's my third line of argumentation. Guys, you're all wondering why I read that 1 Corinthians 12 passage. And um, let me explain real, or try to real quickly. But the, um, the New Testament has several metaphors to describe the church. I mean, we're called a temple. We're called, you know, a, a bride. We're called a kingdom. But the, the metaphor that is used the most frequent, no, the metaphor that, you, that is developed the most fully is the metaphor of a body. 
That's what all that stuff I was reading, it was about all the body parts. The church is like a body, this body. You know, and this body is comprised of all kinds of different things. I've got a, you know, a liver and I've got a pancreas and I've got a duodenum, whatever that is. I got a pituitary gland. I got all these things in me. But when they're functioning and they're healthy, when they're all doing their thing, this whole body just functions wonderfully. Paul is saying the church is like that. That one of the... um, the, the messages of this metaphor of the church being a body is that we've got all this diversity, all you people out there, and so many of you are so weird, and I'm the only normal one, and, and uh, you know, we're all, but, you know, we're different. We've got all this different, and some people are a hand, some are an ear, and some are an eye, and some are an eye, you know. And when they're doing their job, the thing is healthy. That's one of the messages, but here's another message, ladies and gentlemen. If there is any message at all that comes from this metaphor of a body, it is that, the, that we Christians are interdependent or we need each other. What happens to this body when the pancreas says, I'm going to take the day off? What happens when the pituitary gland gets all out of whack? The whole thing suffers. You know, back in my day, <clears throat> back uh, when Jeremiah Johnson and, you know, the, uh, the uh, rugged individualism and the self-reliance is applauded and, you know, there's this cult of individualism, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I will tell you that anything that, that allows you to be more selfish, it'll draw a crowd every time. But guys, we seek more and more privacy. And then we feel more and more alone and alienated and lonely when we get it. Do you know that one of the top 10 reasons that people give for leaving churches is because of loneliness? Americans attempt to minimize and circumvent or deny our interdependence, and the New Testament absolutely celebrates it. It celebrates the fact that we are interdependent. My friend, if your charge is that your church is too institutional, It's your fault. You know, here at Grace Evan, and I'm sure other churches as well, we have these things called grace groups. You heard Kyle mention them. You know, it's the primary vehicle of building community here at Grace Evan, but you're not in one. Why? Well, it's too much trouble. Too much trouble. Yeah, I guess it is. Tell me, do you recognize the benefits of Christian community? What about Wednesday nights? You know, have you stopped in on Wednesday nights lately? My goodness, what, what fun that is. You know, we take people seriously around here. What about mops? Have you looked into that? Mothers of preschool children, have you looked into that? No, no, I haven't. Do you take the benefits of Christian, the interdependence of the body of Christ, do you take that seriously? You know, guys, I guess a person has to get fed up with the ways of the world before they get an appetite for the, for the world of grace. Maybe, maybe you're just not fed up with it yet. Or perhaps, have you considered this? You're really not a Christian. 
wait a minute, that, that doctor. You're like, I don't, I don't know that I go that way. I mean, does does going to church every week make you a Christian? Absolutely not. But does missing church thirty-five Sundays a year make you a non-Christian? No, but it does beg the question, guys. Um, God's people love to be with God's people. God's people love to be fed from the scriptures. And and infrequent church attendance, that is, not going anywhere at all, is a sign of immaturity at best and unbelief at worst. Whenever God calls people out of darkness, he calls them, he calls them into the church. Guys, if the Sunday morning worship service is the community of the redeemed, what does your weekly pattern suggest to God about where you truly belong? You know, guys, we realize that gone are the days when people are in town 50 weeks out of the 52. Travel's too easy. Our families are too scattered out in the, in the country, etc. But listen. That doesn't mean that you can't make an effort to be among the people of God on Sunday mornings. You might want to consider taking Friday after taking Friday off to go see the kids so that you can be back on Saturday night so you can be with the family, the body on Sunday morning. You might want to think again about buying a second home which is going to take you out of town 12 to 15 weeks out of the calendar year. And you might ought to reevaluate the idea that Friday evening to Sunday evening belongs to you and you can do with it whatever and wherever you want to do with it. We need you. And you need us. Because we belong to a body. Two more points. They'll be brief and I'll quit. I got this out of a book, uh, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. thought it was a great illustration. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> um, a pastor was paying a visit on a woman in, who was a member of his church. And when, when he got there, this woman was sitting next to a window embroidering a piece of cloth that was held taut over an oval hoop. I think they called them embroidery hoops. Um, When he walked in, the woman said this to him. Pastor, while I was waiting for you to come, I realized what's wrong with me. I don't have a frame. My feelings, my thoughts, my activities, everything is loose and sloppy. There is no border to my life. I never know where I am. I need a frame for my life like this one I have for my embroidery. Guys, how do we get that framework? That sense of solid structure. I know one place you can get it. Church where week after week we are being given a working definition for life. 
One final thing and I'm done. Landon Ditto, you might know that name around here. Landon Ditto, he is the uh, director of our, um, of our senior high youth ministry. And boy, is there something cooking back there. Uh, he's working with a couple of really gifted kids, Kenzie Tilson and Brady Johnston. And I mean, they got things ginning back there, folks. It's really fun to hear all that's going on. Well, uh, about a year ago, Landon Ditto was invited by the women's ministry to, to speak to a little group that they call the Lunch Bunch. The Lunch Bunch was a bunch of women who had teenage kids, and they wanted to ask the teenage director, you know, some things about what it means to be, a, you know, a parent of a teenager. And so before Landon spoke to this group, he, um, he sent an email to 12 college students, college students that had come out of our youth program that were away at college, and that were 12 students that he considered to be healthy, growing, prosperous Christians. He sent them a letter, and he asked them this. He was trying to prepare to speak to the lunch bunch people, ladies, you know? And he asked those students this. What did your parents do right Oh, are we uncomfortable now? (laughs) What did your parents do right? He said the most dominant reply, not the only reply, but the most dominant reply that he got from those 12 students was this. The church was the hub of our lives. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you can't teach your kids a working definition of life on the lake. The most important thing that you can teach your children is not how to play soccer. the most important thing that you can teach them is thus saith the Lord. And we want to help you. Oh God, would you help us think rightly about this thing that you so value that Jesus died for her. And because Jesus loves her, we love her. And Father, if you've led people here this morning who have not yet met this Savior, oh, would you cause them to see that what they've got is a life that's built on sinking sand and nothing Nothing will keep them from withstanding the flood, a flood that will consume them. What we need is to stand on the rock, Christ Jesus and his finished work. Would you use this church to broadcast that over and over and over again? And then would you grow up this whole body into something that's beautiful in your sight? Oh, audience of one. 
be pleased by our performance this morning. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.